savage on instinct. Niggas don't think shit stink. Pink gators, my Detroit players. Tim's for my hooligans in Brooklyn. Dead right, hit the head right. Biggie there, air night. Papa been school since days of under rules. Never lose, never choose to. Bruce Cruz, who do something to us? Talk go through us. Welcome to the third episode of Eat, Pray, and Judge. I'm Gabe Pacheco, and I'm here as always with Sammy Hamarne. Yeah, and today we've got uh, our technical uh, director uh, on the ones and twos in the corner, uh, Kevin. So this is a new thing for us that we brought in. We brought a third person into the fold. Uh, Kevin, I know they can't really hear you well, but you can say hi. Hi. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh, now we're cooking with gas, everybody. Um, you guys, it Irish is... gas. <laughs> We're super excited uh, to to be here, and it's been a while since we were able to um, to record this uh, third episode, just because of personal things. I just flew in on a red eye from Las Vegas. Uh, I got in this morning at seven a.m. It's uh, what like one p.m. right now. So yeah, uh, yeah. Oh really? Yeah, that's absolutely, cool. man. You flew in on a red eye. I actually physically have a red eye. You have a red <laughs> eye. You look like you look like Michael Corleone right after he got. <laughs> And Epi got punched by that dirty cop. Right. Good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So I like that. <laughs> uh, just staring also at Also like with the, the Burning Man version with my fucking gnarled beard. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're doing this thing today and today's movie is going to be... Uh, it was. It was. Ten Things I Hate About You. And it came out in 1999. We already covered 1999 if you listened to the last episode, so I don't really know if we need to tread over a lot of that uh, material today. What do we need to know again? Gay Teletubbies, Bosnia, <laughs> well, Woods, Woodstock, Woodstock 99. Woodstock 99. Right. <laughs> the date rape version. Yeah, with uh, yeah, just, you know, uh, f- fires in the porta potties and yes. uh, Limp Biscuit telling us all to and tear just it down. Non-consensual finger banging. <laughs> so sad. Um, but, you know, I I definitely encourage everyone out there, if you want to know, if you want a snapshot of the music that people were listening to and rioting to in 1999, go and look at the lineups for Woodstock 99. Um, yeah, this uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, what I noticed was that we also watched another movie that came out that same year already within this series. We did uh, Cruel Intentions, also yep. 1999, and uh, the, the, the both these films were remakes of uh adaptations of like just old white european writing yeah (laughs) translated into modern day white european (laughs) descent yeah just uh just just uh privileged white teenage uh uh scenarios this is also another uh seattle-based uh Sort of romantic comedy, which ties us into say anything. Yeah, bingo. Yeah, so uh, so there's a lot of uh, so we're really branching out there, Gabe. I guess is the point. Yeah, we're so sleepless in Seattle cannot be our third, our, no. our fourth pick. No, neither can singles. <laughs> we could do the River's Edge, but that's oh. a much different movie. Yeah, very different. Probably not. And it, like, if you if this is your first time listening to Eat, Pray, Judge, uh, what we do in this podcast is that Sammy and I like to take films that have been recommended to us by. The ladies in our lives, be it um, sisters, uh, girlfriends, ex-girlfriends, mothers, aunts, uh, co-workers, and we want to... starting to sound like a Sarah McLaughlin song. We'll <laughs> yeah. All. Yes, all women. We want to... We're taking um, films that have been recommended to us that maybe are part... are a blind spot. Like, uh, every one of these movies is something that I haven't seen or I saw once a very long time ago. 
and this and Ten Things I Hate About You is I've never seen before. So I'm coming into this movie with baby uh, brand new eyes. It's the it's like the, I've just come out of the womb, and I'm I'm blind, and the, then the doctor smacks me, and I open my eyes, and this is the first thing I see is Ten Things I Hate About You. <laughs> that is very fucking descriptive, Gabe. <laughs> yeah, just watch the placenta <laughs> off you, of me. Were you a writer on this film or on other yeah. films? So we're going to uh, jump right into uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. And ha- have you seen it before? I've seen it a few times. It was one of those movies that uh, was on like HBO repeatedly during the day when I was at home doing nothing at some point, like during school or whatever. Yeah. And it just came on, and I, I liked it enough to kind of watch it. It's, it's entertaining. Yeah. So I, yeah, I've seen this movie a few times back in the day. Now, we were in college when this came out. And it yeah. was the same year as The Matrix. It actually was... Matrix was number one at the box office, and this was number two. It was number one in your heart, I think. Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, this movie definitely has more heart than The Matrix. No, The Matrix was number one in your heart. Oh. was my point. Well, that... I mean, it definitely was. Like, I, well, I, I fantasized about a time in the future where I could just jack my brain into the internet and learn kung fu. How you just jack your dick on the internet? <laughs> now, now, the, now the only thing I, I jack on the internet is my dick. That's right. So, um, we're going to keep that in, though. That's, you know, just being honest. Fuck yeah, dude. It's not like they don't know we jerk off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when this film came out, there was a lot less internet porn. That's something to bring up. Uh, I, uh, okay, okay. So we just saw Cruel Intentions. Yeah. And I feel like that was a really, a much more body uh, mm. Rated R version of ribaldress, right? Uh, yeah, much more r- rival rivalryness happening in uh, in the French literary scene right. back in the day than Shakespeare. And I remember when we studied Shakespeare in high school. Yeah, uh, every teacher told us that like, oh, you really have to read the language. The language is mad titillating, garbage, and it's. <laughs> Uh, it's it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Did you ever? Did you have to study Shakespeare? In I mean, school? when I was in like seventh grade, I, I was never into the. Uh, I mean, I, I you know there there's things that are beautiful about some of Shakespeare stuff, but I never I was never into it to the point where like I'm going to compare it to you know modern day remakes. Right. And I don't have that. I don't have a dog in that fight. So the, the reason that we're even bringing this up is that uh, Ten Things I Hate About You is a is an adaptation of Taming of the Shrew, the Shakespeare story. Did did you? seen plays in high school or yeah of course i mean we read a fair amount i've read excerpts from most of his works and uh, you know yeah i i mean there's actual direct quotes from taming of the shrew in this when they Mm -hmm. throw it which i think was kind of well done i mean this movie was i mean it's it's sort of it's fun to watch and it's just it's in a way a clever remake yeah where cruel intentions is just a bunch of rich kids you want a headbutt uh right this has a little more likable well, I feel th- this is definitely a comedy, and I don't think yeah, that, that, that was. Maybe that's why I liked uh, it more. With, uh, so I like had to do a lot of Shakespeare in middle school, and we did. Well, I did some plays, but I where? Oh, at Saint Anselm's, dude. I was not theatrical, but I never got the roles. Just did you do like same sex remakes? I know it was an all boys school. <laughs> well, the thing was, we imported girls to play the shrews. Oh, did place. you from like what your sister school? Yeah, our sister school, Saint Hagatha. <laughs> we had a. Uh, we had a uh, Seton Hall, Stone Ridge, Stone Ridge. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, which yeah, yeah. So there's the, ca- the Catholic schools that were outside Merlin. of the city limits. Merlin, mm. Mm, Potomac, yeah, Burkittsville, M- McLean, Virginia, <laughs> right? And uh, and so and sisters. So like that, all of my first nuns? crushes. No, no. Sir. Oh, 
not yeah. those types of no, sisters. No, no, just like, you know, all my classmates' sisters. Right. So that was kind of weird. It was a weird, awkward uh, time to have I your... Bet like, it was for so many reasons. Your sexual awakening to be mm. like, yo, uh, Jim, your, <laughs> your sister Sarah? Yeah, that's she's definitely my first wet dream. So we would, you know... That's, uh, that's yeah. hard-hitting. Hard, super hard-hitting. Yeah. And uh, so I just did stage crew for all of these Shakespeare plays. I never got the roles. I wore black. I was one of the guys that moved the furniture around. Okay. Yeah, and we did, um, and we, we had read uh, uh, Julius Caesar. That was good. Mm-hmm. That was like modern mafia tale. Love that stuff. Sure. And uh, not Merry Wives of Windsor. Yeah, that one. No. You missed it? Did, did not see that. Mm-hmm. Did not read that. Uh, my favorite adaptation of a Shakespeare um, play into a movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that Boz Lerman eye candy. Fucking, that movie was rough to watch. No, they take the Molly. They take the Molly and then they fall in love. Is that what happens? Yeah, that's it. That makes a yeah. lot more sense There's than the drugs actual in story. Uh-huh. And uh, John Leguizamo has a... Oh, has that a, guy. A silver-plated rapier. Just a which is just <laughs> androgynous acting machine. Oh, he's the best, man. My favorite Leguizamo <laughs> performance, The Pest. Uh, the rap in the beginning of The Pest was pretty funny. We're going to definitely put that rap in this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kevin, yeah. boom, handle that, son. Um, right. Okay. So we've got this. We've got this film. Ten things I hate about you. Yep. Um, ad- an adaptation of Shakespeare. What is interesting is that it has none of Shakespeare's language in it, which is the thing that makes Shakespeare interesting. Well, least... don't they have? They have. They quote him. Do they quote Taming of the Shrew directly? But they're not. They're not uh, like yammering on and on and on and I. No, it's not done in the king, in, in old in the king's English. Right. Right. Which is thank God because can you imagine Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Julius? <laughs> that would be. It would be. It'd be a lot. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Acted by, you know, a lot of good acting. Uh, so let's go through um, the people in this movie. All the actors. Mm. You know, we had uh, Julia Stiles. God, she's. How do you feel about Julia? Not great. Not great? Yeah, she was, you know, whatever. Well, you know, like, in general, I, you know what I have to say is, uh, I love her in the Born Identity movies. Yeah. Born Supremacy. She was, she was born to play, like, an administrative assistant. <laughs> Rock and clerical work with a puss face. Okay, so in this movie, she plays, uh, Catherine, and she's got all of the intelligence of Ioni Skye's character to <clears throat> say anything. Yeah. Like, she's definitely an academic superstar. But, uh, she is artistic. Right. Yeah, she's like, uh, she's Fiona Sky. She's like Fiona Apple and uh, <laughs> Julia Stiles. Fiona Stiles. And uh, <laughs> I like that, Fiona Sky. <laughs> she, uh, so she uh, sketches, mm-hmm. she writes poetry, she plays guitar, but she also isn't scared of dancing. Loves femrock. And uh, she plays soccer. She's like a well-rounded individual. I don't know if she, yeah, she plays soccer, I guess. Yeah, she, she plays soccer in multiple scenes in the film. Most uh, affluent white kids have played soccer at one point in their lives. Yeah, my sister loved playing soccer, by the way. Right. And she play, I she, loved it when I was like eight and I had energy to run around like an asshole. I don't have any of the energy to run around. I, I played soccer. Oh, I had <laughs> asthma. We're old, man. We're older. Oh, you I, had asthma. I had asthma, man. I, I was on the soccer team. They'd throw me in for like three minutes a game. You struck me as one of those kids who just kind of like sat on one knee, played with sticks, and looked at bugs while other kids were running around you. Um, yeah, so, but one thing I really wanted to differentiate between the uh, ladies that we've seen in the past films and Julia Stiles is that she is like the Daria protagonist, whereas Ioni Skye was like the uh, Lisa Simpson in Say Anything, an overachiever that hadn't really experienced life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this uh, Katrina, Julia Stiles. I'm going to call her Julia Stiles from now on, but Kat is the name of the character. She was, uh, you know, she was like cynical, which was like late 90s. Right. I feel like that was a difference from this naive sort of character that that we had in the 80s. She's also kind of the embodiment of like a strategically planned college essay, like college admissions essay. She's got all the the extracurriculars, the high the high GPA. Yeah, yeah. She reads the feminist mystique at mm-hmm. bookstores. She goes to bookstores in her spare time. Yep. Um, I know other people to do that. So we've got we've got her. Uh, we've also got the lead, like the male lead of the film, Heath Ledger. Right. Uh, I hadn't seen anything with him. I didn't know who Heath Ledger was honestly yep. until Dark Knight Returns. I was gonna say this could be called the Dork Knight. Yeah. Okay. The Dork Knight Rises. We could do that. Yeah. We could say that. He's a magnetic magnetic uh, character, I guess. Uh, Australian. The actor's Australian. And when I first started watching this movie and I heard that Australian accent, I, w- didn't, I couldn't believe it. I thought that... I had, I had no idea why he had that accent. I thought it was just bad acting. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you, did you and, not know that he was Australian? No, I knew that he was Australian. And then I thought, this movie is... Uh, uh, the first note I wrote was like, unrealistic. Why does this high school student in Seattle have an Australian accent? Oh, they gave him a solid backstory. Thank God. Yeah. They they had to, they inserted the backstory halfway through the movie, though. Yeah, he was just starting out, man. He hadn't become what he was going to become. You know. I mean, the, the funny thing about these movies is is uh, you know the ones that have these sort of ensemble casts of people that have actually had successful careers mm-hmm. is you can sort of separate who's gonna who's gonna make it and what and at what level. Yeah. Because you can tell that he was actually genuinely a decent actor even at that age. Like he was good. You know. So this was the character that they painted for him, uh, uh, mysterious. Oh, what his name was uh, in this film? His name is um, Verona, Patrick Verona. Yep. Okay. So Patrick Verona, the character, mysterious, right? That everyone has this like backstory of what he'd been doing the year prior to arriving at the school. Yeah, was he in prison for like kangaroo uh, assaulting? Boxing? Yeah, kangaroo boxing, eating a live duck. Like uh, like murder, yeah. arson, they, fighting so, a cop, just a tough dude. Yeah, they they tough made him out nails. To, drinking <laughs> beer. He was drinking beer at one point. Yeah, yeah. He he smokes. He lights cigarettes in shop class. Drill puts a drill bit through your fucking homework. Uh huh. <laughs> so just that's just an asshole move, really. Oh, I I thought it was. It's tough. like you're, you're just establishing himself dominance. It's pr- prison yard shit. Right. Okay. So they're painting him to be like uh, like a character from Blood In Blood Out. Yeah, dude. Um, but did you Just a white pussy Shakespeare version? <laughs> did you see him at all fitting any of his acting choices fitting this backstory they gave him? No, no, he had like the the baby soft face. Just to find that song and dance number. Yes, M- magical. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, also he he looked um twenty five. Yeah, uh, minimum. All of them did. Like, maybe Joseph Gordon Levitt kind of looked young. Joseph Gordon-Levitt looked like he had escaped from a like a Disney TV show. Yeah. Uh, so he he looked a <laughs> lot younger than they did. Right. And he had like a haircut from one of the, like one of the Growing Pains kids haircuts. <laughs> uh, so we've got yeah. So we've got Heath Ledger, and uh, I don't think that he fit what they wanted Patrick Verona to be. He didn't come off as like a battle hardened smuggler. There were no scars on his face. Oh, is the real Patrick Verona? Yeah, he just didn't. They had come to make him like, marketable to fifteen-year-old girls, man. Right, 
But I think that they uh, nailed it. He he was charismatic. I could see in his performance uh, seeds of what would become the Joker later oh, on. Really? Yeah, I definitely did. We can you know we can talk about that too. But sure. You didn't see you did you liked what was your I you hated him. Not at all. I thought he was good. Yeah. I think the acting was I mean, you know, good enough. Not I mean him in general, you know, you could tell he's a good actor, but I think the movie was done fine. There wasn't anything that really Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny with these early ones, it's like you know who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. You know, you kind of watch like that the sister of Julia Stiles character uh, didn't make it. Okay, so for her reasons. Her name is uh, Larissa o- Olenek. Yeah, something. She, you know, with that name alone, you know you're not you're not making it. Bad I, management. They would have had to change that in, immediately. So I, I honestly thought that was uh, terrible casting. Terrible casting with her. Yeah, she... uh, there wasn't a single moment <clears throat> where I could believe that she was the it girl that everyone was vying for. To be honest, yeah. In the film. And then we had Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yep. Uh, who's just gone on to be a tremendous actor. Multifaceted, this guy. <laughs> uh, well, he was just in things I liked. He was in Looper. Oh, I never saw Looper. Inception. Inception. And Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And... Uh, a great sort of romantic comedy, if you want to call it, 500 Days of Summer, which is uh, pretty underrated, but I thought was good. That might be something that's, on our list. That's one to visit. Okay, I'm getting a thumbs up over here from Kevin. Yep. So I think... Uh, Kevy likey. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, funny thing about Larissa... Uh, Olenek? Yeah, Larissa Olenek was that in 2013, she had a restraining order she put on uh, uh, out against a fan. Yeah. So what was that like? Fifteen years after the movie was made. Yeah. 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 So uh, you know, you never know. Do you think that was a publicity stunt? I don't know. Who the hell was this fan? <laughs> One day we might get stalkers like that too. Nah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So twenty years after this podcast 20... is irrelevant, wouldn't that be something? I think we'll probably still be doing it in twenty years. We're again. trying to keep it timeless, you know, <laughs> like Christmas. <laughs> this is the legacy I want to leave behind. <clears throat> Just us chattering into the void. Hmm. Um, I, sort of like certain presidents, I guess. Oh, and then there, so there was another character, another actor in this movie, um, David Krumholtz, who yeah. plays uh, the best friend of Love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Reminds Did, me of my cousin. Yeah, yeah. So kind of like a like he was like a fast talking. Uh, no, he was just like a nerdy Jewish accountant. He was a yeah. He was he was the fixer. Yeah. Every movie's got to have all these team movies have. He a, was like a the fixer. Cyrano in a way. Okay. Ooh, I see where you're going with that. Uh, best line of the movie, my balls, when he fell down on the uh, dirt bike. Yes. Also the first Jewish dirt bike kid in a movie in history. High five. Yeah. <laughs> the whole, <laughs> whole cast of Rad was promised. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, just breaking breaking uh, glass ceilings for young Jewish actors. I liked him in uh, The Ice Storm and Slums of Beverly Hills. Oh, that was a great movie. Yeah. Both of those are great movies. Yeah, he Alan actually, Arkin. He, he has, he has a strong career, this yeah. kid. But um, there, I, I looked up his Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. and there's this story that uh, is an irritating, uh, an irritating story about a big break. And it said, at the age of 13, Krumholtz followed his friends to an open audition for a Broadway play. And when he tried out, he won the role of young Charlie. So this uh, sort of, this story of like, how much would you hate this kid 
if you were his friend, like the one that really wanted to be the actor, and then said, hey, will you come with me to this open audition? See, here's where we're going to differ on this one. I would thank that kid profusely. It's like, right. give up on that dream, because some dude who wasn't even that into it just came in and took it from you. Right, okay. So, so honestly. And <laughs> on, you know, he made a career out of it. Like, the guy's like a working actor, which a lot of people aren't. Yeah. So, like, if he had just won and done, mm-hmm. you could have some animosity, but guys, you know, yeah, so did stuff. He definitely, I mean, he's got to be yeah. thanking the friend that, that dragged him to yeah. the open audition. What's that guy doing now? Is he, like, a, a regional manager for J. Crew? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? His name isn't in the Wikipedia article, but I'd say... Of course it's not. (laughs) He got beat up by a rando for for the lead. Right. Hey, would you come and support me while I audition? Sure, I guess... No problem. Is it an open call? It is? (laughs) Fuck it. Yeah, I've got this song I love to do at karaoke. It's it's a Bon Jovi song. I've been working on my pivot steps. Yeah, check it out. Mm. Um, What's that? I got the lead? (gasps) Oh man, it just, it also reminds me of like in Kids, where uh, Rosario Dawson's character is like, I need to go get an AIDS test. (laughs) 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 Will you? (laughs) I actually just, that took me a second to really think about what happened there. (laughs) Right? Chloe. Chloe, will you come with me? And, uh, (laughs) and that's when I learned like, never go with your friend as emotional support to like, uh, to go to, to like get an AIDS test. Don't get tested. God, this took a weird turn. <laughs> Let's segue out of that. Should we, what, what, gonorrhea should be the next segue? Let's pull out of that. So speaking of gonorrhea, game. It's, dude, this is the 90s. I feel like movies were more problematic back then. More mature themes. I guess so. People still believe. The outbreak monkeys. <laughs> Oh, man. Where are we going? Uh, where are we going? We're going into a synopsis. Okay. Yeah. So, if you haven't seen this movie, and I assume if you're listening to this, you have, I'm going to give you a really quick uh, play-by-play. So, we've got Kat, who's a student at an ultra-posh uh, Padua High School in Seattle, where the skies are always blue, and everybody has a nice car. Super nice cars. That's one thing I noticed. You want to call the Camaro Z28 remake a nice car? <laughs> Look, they go, all had great, for it. They had great paint jobs. Uh, they were all in perfect working condition. It's like and the official car of a complete jerk-off. But I guess that's who drove it, so... Yeah, dude, nobody in this school is likable. Like, these would all be uh, people that, that would be backed up against the wall when the revolution comes. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so the lawns are perfectly manicured. It's, it's, one, it's green. It's always nice and sunny there. And Cat is a shrew. Uh, that's what we're led to believe. It's kind of an amalgam for white life. Yeah, feels like it. And she, uh, she's got a little sister, Bianca, who's like the belle of the ball. Everybody's sweating Bianca. And uh, she is a sweet, virginal freshman who's being sought after by Joey, who's trying to deflower her. And this is like that Shakespeare stuff. She's the worst, by the way. And, uh, yeah, and she's also romantically sought by nice guy Cameron. Bianca is a vapid. She doesn't really have a character. Useless. So, um, which is, it's weird that that's who these dudes are, are seeking. Uh, you'd think that they'd want... To, I feel like today's man wants a cat. I mean, who were you pursuing in high school, Gabe? I was pursuing a mopey cat. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I was. I wasn't going for Bianca's. So you're a different different guy than most, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I liked a girl that, like, glowered really well. Mm. I liked a nice frown. So you liked Daria. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted Janine Garofalo got you, uh... I'm not got you say, moist. <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, I was more of an Elaine Bennis, if we're going for, like, a, sort of a short comic. Elaine, Elaine Bennis fits into that mold. No, I mean, you know, those were the, those were like, we would have, um, 
like conversations at the lunch table. Like, who's your lady? Just like, what's Bro- your lane? Brooding. Is it Janine or is it Elaine? Or Paula Poundstone. <laughs> <laughs> you like those high shoulder pads? I hell yeah. You like piano key ties <laughs> on a woman? <laughs> Uh, uh, so here's the catch in the movie. Bianca can't date anyone uh, unless her older sister is out dating too. Because their father, who's played by Larry Miller, a friend of Seinfeld's in real life, um, uh, since the father, he's an, an obstetrician, I guess. Gabe, how do I know Larry Miller? You might know him from uh, Seinfeld. I... You might know him from Curb Your Enthusiasm. What was he in Seinfeld? He was the doorman. Huh? Ah. Uh. And corporate at, I believe you. I no, love no, both no. those shows, and I know everything. about I feel like I know a lot about both. He was of them. Mr. Pitt's doorman. He was Mr. Pitt's doorman. Oh right. And <laughs> that was such a here. You're my buddy. Here's a role. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's also do, does a ton of voiceover work. So, okay, you might not recognize. Oh, so now he's become an idol of mine. But right. you've heard it. You've heard his name. Yeah. Well, you're gonna get into voiceover work eventually. So. <laughs> this is this is the jump off point. This whole podcast is just working. I mean, real. totally. I will. Uh, so the thing is, is Bianca's dad and Kat's dad, Larry Miller, he has uh, seen too many babies be born out of wedlock. So he's not, he doesn't want his daughters to uh, be sexually active. In Seattle, which is odd. I don't, I don't, uh, yeah. I guess there's a lot of stone kids not pulling out. <laughs> yeah. The, the pullout game is weak in Seattle. Super, it's... super lazy. So uh, my question is, where's the mom in this story? I don't know. Uh, she left these weirdos, uh, probably, to have a chill life somewhere outside of the Shakespearean time. I would wonder if those numbers of unwed, uh, child, uh, un- un- products of unwed, uh, parent- parenthood dropped off after the Seattle Supersonics left town. Yeah, do you want, okay. Sean Kemp. Was he, that's, he was He has, like, like, 30 kids. Yeah. Yeah. No pullout game. Nope. Don't great, pullout game. Great fundamentals. Great 20, 20 foot baseline jumper. <laughs> yeah. Pretty strong to the hoop. Good, good. In all aspects of his life. Good layups. Good. Yeah. I'll leave that sports reference. You know, I know that's out of the comfort That's zone. probably... Who knows what our demo is? We haven't put these out yeah. yet. So, we'll see. Um, so, uh, so here's the deal, man. You know who Sean Kemp is. Get at me. I know who Sean Kemp is. Yeah. yeah. Tweet at us. <laughs> <laughs> at Gabe underscore Pacheco. The real, at realdonaldtrump.com. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, the, the catch is, is that Kat uh, needs to be rude and dated before uh, Bianca can go on a date. Pops either. thought it was a safe bet? Yeah. Got it? Yeah. So, but there, uh, is a, there is a sordid little twist here. Yeah, we'll get to that. So we'll... Uh, so Cameron, uh, played by Jay Gordon-Levitt, yeah. and uh, Joey, hire Patrick <laughs> to woo the, sh- <laughs> woo the shrew. This podcast should be called Watch Game Mispronounce <laughs> or just changed actors, change male actors' names. Isn't jo- Joey is the guy, the, the bully? Joey's the bully, who we didn't even talk about. Oh, I thought you meant, I thought you were talking about Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No, I'm not gonna call. We're gonna call him uh, Joey Joey G L from now on. Okay, uh, I'll try. Joey Joey Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, it'll be too confusing for the rest of the podcast. But um, basically, uh, like you know, we need we need Patrick to uh, run interference by dating Cat uh, so that these two dudes can holler at Bianca. And really, the best part of the movie is the cat. And Patrick, romance, right. So that's where we're at. We've got the synopsis. We're done. Yep. 
Now, let's. you want to jump into this movie? <clears throat> let's do it. Hell yeah, I want to jump into this movie. So, uh, what's going on? We start, we're at Padua High School. Yeah, which is and, a weird uh, name. Bareback Ladies opens. That's the soundtrack. Oh, Bare yeah. Bare Naked Bareback Ladies. <laughs> okay, so the Bare Naked Ladies, one of the best names. Did you really think it was Bareback Ladies? <laughs> yeah, it That would be a much better name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've just been talking about pull, like, pull-out game yeah. being weak. Oh, yeah. Now, we're just, now we'll just delve into fat nerd rock. <laughs> Let's talk about Smash Mouth. Were they also in the soundtrack? They Probably. Were, they should have been in the soundtrack. This this whole movie feels like a long music video, and uh, that and every scene has a, a different song that sort of helps stitch the storyline together. But bare naked ladies, that's the start. The first thing we see are four girls in like a Rav Four um, with no roof, and they they all look like Baby Spice, and then uh, they're wearing Delia catalog clothing. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I had a little sister, so we had Delia catalogs okay. that get mailed to us every month. Oh, so like, people with little... I mean, my sister was 10 years younger than me, so I don't... Uh, there's a drop-off. Kind of. Ladies know dealing in catalogs. Okay. Yeah. I... So, low-cut lo, <laughs> low jeans, showing the belly button, mid-ripped t-shirts. Unacceptable. Ringer t-shirts. Oh, lots of ringer t-shirts, uh, pigtails. Yeah. This whole look. Gotcha. That sounds... And then... And something. this is uh, the intro to uh, to Kat, is yep. that her car pulls up. Brooding. Brooding. Just a cool, cool girl, you know, like classic American automobile. And really, I feel like we see the juxtaposition here of like two 90s youth culture styles. Also, she's not tough at all. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, she's not tough. What's intimidating? There's four of you in one car. She stares at you? Right. And her Ford Edsel? Get the fuck out of here. There's no no gangs. There's no gangs in the school. There's no like real, um, you know, it's not rough. It's not like in uh, Lean on Me. When, when you see the intro to the high school and Lean on Me, and they're playing Welcome to the Jungle, and uh, all and the school's just full of, like, uh, crack dealers. There's not even an ounce of street credibility in that school, is what you're no. saying. right, right. This school, yeah, the intro for this school is the Bare Naked Ladies. So... Yeah, well, they, and, the, and their teacher is Daryl Chill Mitchell. That's <laughs> the dude's name. Daryl, this is what they put in the actual the credits. Daryl? yeah. We, oh, man. So he's super funny. I love Daryl Cho. Uh, you know what Mitchell I love about him? Yeah. He touches on a subject that's very dear to my heart, and it's the absolute disdain for white kids with dreadlocks, <laughs> which is a horrendous byproduct of the Pacific Northwest in general. Yeah. I and think probably my one of my least favorite demographics, demographics of human beings. Yeah. How did you feel? Uh, Padua High School uh, <clears throat> is a school that's full of cliques. Yeah. And... Um, the, the clicks, clicks that I've never heard of. The, the clicks were crazy absurd. Yeah, the NBA, the future NBA clicks. Right, right. Just so shooting 10 years into their future, the, the if yup, not more. The yuppies of America, those all were just like um, like spinoffs of Alex P. Keaton right. from Family Ties. That must be Niles with the Brie. Yeah. Oh. That kid. And when was Brie, I, th- I guess in the 80s, Brie I like was. Brie. I li- Brie, Brie is in every corner store I go to. Well, that's because we live in North Brooklyn, Gabe, where okay. my boutique is going to have fucking Brie and uh, apricot chips. Yeah, so I don't know. Am I am I living in a bubble? You certainly are. Yeah, so in my bubble, Brie might as well just be like craft single Mustard. Sli- <laughs> yeah. Brie, Brie is mustard. It's yeah. everywhere. It's ubiquitous. Yep. So it, it doesn't come off as this uh, cultural signifier. It's true. Like bougie or yuppie or elite. I feel like their uh, their thing was that this was a high school kid who talked about Brie. Because let's be honest, what were your thoughts with Brie in high school? Yeah, I mean, I did was, you have any? 
No, I was. De- I mean, Cheese Whiz was all right. You know what me. my thoughts were? My mom's friends and her getting brie. Right. While housing Tab Soda. Oh hell yeah! And going to their like re-signing for their Bally's membership. Were they doing a two, mad feminine two li- uh, two liter bottles of uh, Tab, oh, or did crazy? they get the no. six packs? Six packs, dude. Yeah, right. <clears throat> At Bally's. Yeah. Just doing squats and lunges. Yeah, I doubt it. Just All legs. Barely showing up and going to the hot tub. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think that uh, that's that was their reference to this like you know bougie, sort of. Uh, that, that that was the re reference for high school. I think it was just more funny about not even being elitist, but it was like a high school kid slightly being elitist with a reference to the cheese. I don't even know why we're yeah. talking about that still. Uh, what? But they they felt like a throwback to the eighties. Yep. The yuppies as a as a clique. Right. And then another clique that existed at the school were the cowboys. Yeah. What? In the Pacific Northwest. I yeah. mean, obviously, us growing up on the East Coast, that would never happen. Yeah. Who and what? Yeah. I, it, it was it was funny to me. I went. Yeah. I went to school with a kid named Travis, uh, who wore cowboy boots. But in his defense, his dad was a senator from Texas. Right. So was, he he had to wear those. He didn't have to, but he but he could. You know, he got away with it. He was also one of those kids that peed at the stall with his pants completely down. <laughs> so fucking double negative in my book. Although we were friends. Yeah. He was the first kid that I that ever had the full GI Joe battleship. Uh huh. The aircraft carrier. That was like a hundred and seventy-five dollar yeah. toy. Yep. That was huge. The Texan aristocrats buy for their kids. That oil money, right? That oil hush money. Uh, so we had the cowboys, and then we had uh, the Rastas. Yeah, all white kids. All white kids, uh, and they loved pol. Did they? They loved politics. No, they were just uh, and idiots smoking weed. Yeah. Uh, they love specifically the politics of the oppressed, I guess. Yes. Oh, there was also the coffee geeks. As though only a specific... Coffee geeks? Yeah. And the, those kids all were next to, a, uh, like, an espresso bar outside at the, at yeah, the high school. Yeah, you see every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is all of us. Well, right. Were there, you know, I don't... I don't I, why, why didn't the cowboys drink coffee? What's up with that? Who knows? You know? The Rastas. The Rastas. You want to smoke weed and uh, drink coffee. You want uppers and downers. <laughs> Hippie speedball. Hippie speedball. <laughs> so this school is phenomenal. Uh, that's one thing I really like about it is the actual building. A- aesthetically phenomenal. Yeah, and you're in. It, I don't know if it's a public school. I don't know if it's a private school. It's just. It's huge though. It's it's like they're in a castle, and they've got this fantastic view of the river, and then there's the stadium. The sound. The Puget Sound. The Puget game. Sound. Yep. Beautiful. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm learning so much about Seattle I, from these I films. don't think it was used enough. It's a, it's a character in and of itself, Gabe. <laughs> they they should have done more with Padua. Again, Cameron Crowe fucked up there. Terribly yeah. written women. No shots of the Puget Sound. Yeah. None. Yeah. But we're not really I could have been anywhere in the Pacific Northwest, Gabe. Yeah. Eugene. Now, we're not talking about saying anything today. We're going to talk about uh, the use of Padua, the school, in... Um, uh, Ten things I hate about you, mm-hmm. and uh, what, so there's classes they I'd take passive aggressive. They it, it felt passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They uh, they use uh, they got really funny teachers. Do you ever have teachers like this? No, no, nobody has. Yeah, I love the uh, guidance counselor who's writing erotic fiction. Yeah, in her spare time. Just yep, feminist erotic fiction, right? Yeah, from yeah. a female's perspective. I guess well, that's I guess not that's all feminist, female centric. Right. 
Sure. We don't know how liberating it is. But it didn't seem like she was doing okay. It doesn't, like, it, like when you say feminist, I didn't see that she was writing for, like, advocating equal pay. What I meant by feminist was, yeah, I meant uh, from a female's perspective. Yes, yeah. It wasn't like a fucking hustler, uh, my grandma, hustler letter. My grandma used to read a lot of uh, erotic fiction. A word? When she was, like, in her 80s. Uh-huh. You know, really? Before she passed. Yeah, like, I just, you know, uh, when she was younger, there would be, like, more just, you know, books for everyone. Right, mm-hmm. uh, the cancer ward would be a book that maybe she read by uh, Sol Solod We'll figure out what his name is later, but he's a Russian guy. He wrote the cancer ward. Can you say it again? Solzhenitsyn. I was about to say, I was like, if you have a question about Russian literature, we got the, right. the we got the czar. Like when, so when my grandma was younger, <coughs> she would read books for the whole family. She recommended books like the cancer ward by Solzhenitsyn. Okay, uh, but then as she got older. The books had more and more bare-chested dudes with six-packs and, like, Fabio haircuts. God bless. And uh, yeah, I, rem- I remember flipping through those, and a lot of the purple prose was very similar to what this guidance counselor was writing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I've read Thank a couple you. of the back pages at the CVS when I was growing up. Uh, yeah. And if you re- it was a people's, people's drugstore, by the way, back in the day. Um, and if you read the back, if you actually open the books and read into it, terms like quivering member, <laughs> pulsating, purple-headed warrior, things like that, like you actually see that in there. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. That's when I learned that women are different than men. Yeah. Valleys of love. They like to be wooed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A lot more poetry to it. Yeah. It's my first day. My, uh, my, my guidance counselor sounded a lot like he was just a doughy man. <laughs> nah. <laughs> My guidance counselor at school was a doughy man who did not, uh, he, he wore uh, button-up white shirts, yeah. w- but they were short-sleeved, and then he had the, uh, like, a, like a clip-on tie. <laughs> of course so, he like, did. very Dilbert style. Mm-hmm. Did and he have a, a short-sleeved shirt, short-sleeved that's uh, right. button-up? Yeah, short-sleeved button-up. Yep. Uh, was and his name Jeffrey Vicariously? You, you can see his, he had furry arms and, uh, and like, a digital watch. Is it a chupacabra? Yes. And, um, what, what, what did I want to, oh, he talked exactly like the South Park teacher He'd mr like, garrison okay okay <laughs> so uh have you thought about going to colleges yet okay <clears throat> and he would drink he was like i'm on a diet guys and he would drink uh a slim fast yeah and then eat a deli sandwich oh, slim fast like those tin like the uh, aluminum slim fast cans yes god that is this that's like the first sign of he didn't know personal apocalypse yeah it was like well how many i was like you know you're getting four times the calories you need right now yeah he's like but i have a sensible breakfast and then like a sensible lunch and then i just pumped this garbage in this sugar garbage to to wash down this hoagie okay weak-minded yeah fun character jesus christ then the other character (laughs) uh joe suzu's in this movie joey suzu yeah yeah so uh do you think him and the micro machines guy were friends I love the Micro Machines guy. Still alive. You would, Gabe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They hang out. Yeah. With uh, another 80s commercial you think they just did a bunch of blow-off of each other's boners? <laughs> 80s blow. Yeah. <laughs> With Andrew Dice Clay. Just getting that sweet Isuzu money. In in outtakes from The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Do you think they use uh, Garbage Pail Kids cards to cut it up? <laughs> Just uh, Series 1. <laughs> series 1 Garbage Pail Kid cards. Well, we've fallen completely off the fucking rails here. What no, were we talking man, about? This is uh, the Nostalgia Trap yeah. brought to you by Sammy and Gabe. <clears throat> so 
Nostalgia Trap Sorry. House. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> the Nostalgia Trap House. That's a great name for something. Oh, uh, well, it's already a podcast that I listen to. It's called Nostalgia Trap House? No, it's called Nostalgia Trap. And then there's Chapo's Trap House. Oh. Yeah, shout-outs to you guys. I just saw a thing the other day that made me laugh. It we're, said, now, uh, we're now in Inception. There was a, yeah, really. There was a meme that said, uh, <laughs> BuzzFeed is world star for white people. <laughs> You want, it's, I laughed really hard. I was like, yeah, dude, if you want to see the difference between a $10 steak, a $50 steak, and a $200 steak, join BuzzFeed. If you want to see street, street yard brawls between Spanish and black kids. Catch me outside. How about that? Keep world star. Dude, so uh, speaking of uh, brown, brown kids, we meet Joey, who is the, who's like the bully, who's a model. And his character is hilarious. I don't think I would refer to him as brown, though. No, but his crew he's, is like He's Italian the... tanned. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. That is funny. The Why only Latinos in the film are team, his crew. Team Swarthy. Yeah, Team Swarthy. Team <laughs> Team Mediterranean Basin. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> so they, uh, so yeah, I, I found that problematic. I found it, yeah. I didn't even think about it. I was like, why are all his friends, uh, look, yeah, why do they look like they're pit bulls, like, backup dancers? Yeah, they're this like, oh, team. well, who, who can we have be the intimidating thugs at this school? And how many of them did Jennifer Lopez bang, probably? Mm. Yeah. Questions to ponder. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we got him, and, uh, he, he, uh, I guess he's intimidating, you know, but would you be intimidated by a model? No, but back in the day, you weren't intimidated by super tough kids in high school. You were intimidated by cool kids. Yeah. Depending on the high school you went to. So, popular, I guess. Right. And uh, the, the deal that they're making, the devil's deal that they're making with him, mm. uh, Cameron and his buddy, are that uh, they just want Joey to think they're cool. Right. Right. To acknowledge them in the hallway. To enhance their status. Oh, but I think that was a smart little play on his part, because I don't think he really gives a shit. I think he just used it as like uh, this is what he, well maybe he did. Yeah, so we got we got we got the greasers. But he was grease in the wheel. Greasers. That's cool because I'm gonna say grease in the wheel. He was just like yeah maybe you say what's up to me just throws him a little bone. Yeah. But I think I mean he had the he had he had the big plan on his mind. Now do you think that when it's we long watch, game. when we watch movies like this around the concept of popularity? Yeah. Did you like in school ever feel as though uh, someone else's popularity could rub off on you? Because it didn't. Yeah, I think everyone kind of felt that. Like, if you were around the right person, like, you would get more juice? Sure. By osmosis? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was friends with kids that were deemed popular. Mm-hmm. And I was actually kind of, like, uh, friends with a lot of people. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I guess a school by association was what mm -hmm. he said, but I feel like that's not the first, term I've, first time I've heard that term. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just didn't like people based on, uh, based on them sucking. I also guess... You, you know, it's de de completely dependent on what your uh, definition of cool was, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if you had weed. Yeah, I mean, everyone cool kind of smoked weed. You know, I was friends with uh, a lot of kids that smoked weed, and that was like a general... Uh, or you could draw good. You that needed, was like the glue, the you, adhesive. You needed to draw good. I didn't care about how you dressed or anything. If yeah. you could draw like that Japanime style, or if you could draw like Todd McFarlane. A lot of my good friends were graffiti writers, as was yeah. I at a young age. That's what I thought was Oh, cool. you guys were intimidating. Mm -hmm. Graffiti writers? Because like you would skip school? You guys were like <laughs> Heath Ledger, like the bad boys. <laughs> um, and then we... So, oh, what this school is crazy too, because they still have a uh, uh, shop class yeah. with open flames. But I think... I wish... That I had. I remember watching that one specific scene and wishing that I had shop class. They didn't really teach that in a, 
elitist uh, liberal East Coast schools. Yeah. Never had shop. Home ec was like an afterthought. Like those are viable trades. Yeah. We did have a we did have a life science class where what is not life, life, life not, science is what is that what they like a way to term home ec? Yeah, kind of. Really? But everybody had to do it where we learned you know, we learned about making good decisions uh-huh. around drugs, like uh-huh. don't do them. And then we uh, we, we had uh, like these baby dolls and we got coupled up, yeah. like boy and a girl. This was still like really heteronormative. Right. So there weren't like uh, it would never be like Gabe and Sammy, you guys are a couple, like here's your baby. Oh, they would never do that. No. No, we would definitely get a girl that was annoyed by us, um, and then we'd have to hang out with them all day and like hand this baby off back and forth. So, and we got point, we got graded on like being able to take care of these <laughs> these baby dolls all day. Wow! And uh, one of those dolls like ended up getting hung from one of the one of the ceiling fans. Yeah. And so we walked into the room, and it was this really morbid sight of That's like a weird baby doll hanging from a ceiling fan. Yeah. We had also a, hilarious to me, but yeah, no, that's I could funny. see why a teacher might be disturbed by it. That's a Cabbage Patch lynching. <laughs> cabbage Patch lynching, guys. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so we've got uh, what, some fun scenes in this movie. Yeah. The, the biker scene. Yeah, that was the most unrealistic, hilarious scene in the movie. Right, so the the rest of uh, Seattle is like this utopian, uh, um, well manicured, yeah, society, uh, clean, safe society, and yet well, like hardworking parents and and they're you know, and then altruistic we, children. We get to like the Pee Wee's Big Adventure, um, Harley Davidson, uh, Hell's Angels <laughs> hangout, and that, yeah. and that's that's where Bad Boy Heath Ledger hangs out. Uh, as a high school student. Uh, drinking beer in the middle of the day and playing pool. And the place is packed. Yeah. When is a bar ever packed in the middle of the day? In movies. In, only in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, actually, that's not true. I mean, walk, you know, there's a lot of bars packed on the street right now. Maybe on a, like, on a, so you think... Maybe I'd in Greenpoint. Yeah, and I'd say, like, on a Saturday, Sunday, weekend. Oh, yeah. But, like, a weekday, like, unless you're in Vegas, like, what's, you know... And there's gambling happening there. Who's really a bar uh, on a Tuesday at one p.m. is a very sad place. Yeah, yeah. So that's where that's where Heath is spending his youth, just sucking down beers after school, playing pool with the uh, the Sons of Anarchy. Right. And then these dudes show up, Cameron and uh, his friend, whose name I can never remember. Yeah. So, uh, like Heath Ledger, like immediately decides to take the gig, to um, to woo our friend Cat, and in uh, like uh, what was it, Kev? Did you have the name of the character? Michael Who? Ekman. Michael Ekman. Yes. So Cameron and Michael Ekman. The facilitator. Yes. Uh, Michael Ekman is the facilitator. They uh, they convince Heath Ledger to uh, to go after Cat, and I, it seems pretty like I don't understand what his motivation is for this. But um, he uh, he takes he takes the bait and they he, he uh, invites her to go to a party. I think it's genuine good heartedness on his part. Like he kind of wants to be cool by association, as we t- mentioned earlier. But I feel like he's just like a good dude who likes Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and I think he likes uh, he likes, he he likes friends. Get... He's lonely. And he yeah, wants friends. I think no, I think the cool by association thing is big for anyone in high school, especially if you're like a fringe person. Oh, because he also just think... showed up. Kind of. Yes, I mean, yeah. not kind of exactly. 
But I also think he likes Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He seems like a, he is, you know, one of those weirdly redeemable, redeeming quality characters that we haven't really had right. too so much. Yeah, so let's so maybe we're painting him. Uh, I say I'm I'm gonna empathize with him now and say, okay, he's a kid who just showed up here at a new school, and everybody uh, is scared of him, and he only finds comfort and companionship uh, drinking with the Sons of Anarchy during the daytime, and now Jordan uh, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt shows up, and offers him an opportunity to become his friend. Oh, no, I was talking about Michael Eckman's character. I thought we were talking about Michael Eckman completely. <laughs> thought that's, we literally said the name Mike Eckman, and so we just went off on him. Why yeah. did he want to help? That's that's fun. Oh, yes, sure. So he... Uh, oh, I don't think Heath, Heath Ledger gave a flying fuck. He doesn't care. No. That, yeah, that's what it's I was wondering. Cool, man. Like, why does why would Heath Ledger um, want to go uh, after Julia Stiles? Like, what would be his motivation? He had a monetary motivation. And she's not, you know, she's an attractive girl. I, don't, I think there's worse ways to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, by the way, I love Cat. Uh, I love that character. You like her? Yeah, I think she's, she's a modern uh, protagonist. Ahead of, ahead of her time, you ahead said. Ahead of her time, yeah. She's, like, well-read, and she, uh, she feels like she could fit in today. Yeah, you know? very much so. Be, be critical of all the things going on in the U.S. Correct. Um, but Heath is, uh, so he looks 25, he's in this bar full of outlaws, and the first thing he does to try to, uh, woo Julia Stiles is, uh, meet her at the club. Club Skunk. Club Skunk. Hell yeah, man. Dude, these clubs used to exist. I went to clubs like this in D.C. Uh, 930 Club, The Black Cat. I feel like those were clubs where you could go see live bands play, sure. and it was very like alternative and angsty at that moment. And ska was big. I feel like we need to mention also a Velvet Velvet Lounge in DC, where you could see like less established acts. Yeah, yeah. which I think that might have been more of the case. Like high school kids could go. It was like cl- all ages clubs. All ages clubs. The the nine thirty. So you had to you had to put the X on the hands at the all ages clubs Word. to go see the the Scatolites. Or the pie tasters. <laughs> those, <laughs> those were both. I used to get really drunk with a trumpet for that band. <laughs> I used to work at a record store when I was like 18. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, so, Ka- so Catherine, uh, Julia Stiles' character, loves uh, Riot girl music. Right. And uh, so Heath Ledger uh, does some research Finds out about the band she likes, like Bikini Kill and yep. uh, the, the Raincoats. I've never, yeah. I've never heard of the Raincoats. Yeah. Well, I, I dated Riot Girls in the early Sleater, 90s. Kenny type yeah. ladies. And yeah. they would go They would go to meetings. And, uh, Bonnie DeFranco. Cats. Yeah. Kathleen Hanna would show up into town and she'd organize meetings for them and they'd all like make zines together. Mm-hmm. And, it was the whole zines. thing. So I I like kind of I was I was into this and there's a great movie about that. The it's punk. awesome. There were all these scenes when we were going up. There's it's, that's gone now. It was pre-internet, man. Pre-internet. So dude. you had to you had to work for it a little bit. You Jeez. couldn't just go into like a Reddit chat room. Yeah. Yeah. You actually had to show up like IRL. Yeah. And uh, hang out with people. So yeah, and and that's cool that he he like does a little deep cover, like Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. And uh, he he becomes a deep cover uh, male riot girl. <laughs> and goes to Club Skunk. Yeah. And she gets so, like, upset when she sees him. Like, he's entered her inner sanctum. 
and uh, she acts all snooty at the bar. I think he was—he reciprocated that to her. He acted like a jerk, and I loved it. Yeah, it was good. I also think she was kind of happy to see him. They did a little negging. Yeah, you know, a little back and <laughs> a little forth, ba- little back and forth thing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, excuse and me, it, you're ruining the vibe. Yeah, my. Well, the thing is, is they're both such bitter, sour human beings that it's like not opposite attracting, but just like the right, the, you know, the chemistry works for very different reasons. He had a, apparently a rough. Uh, single parent childhood. Yeah, and she banged the wrong guy at a young, at tender young age. Right, and that comes out later. Comes out in the, in the backstory. Yep. So, um, so then he drops a couple names of bands, and she's impressed, which is impressive to me. Before Google, yeah, good work, man. He really put in some some fucking work. And then he's the only guy on the dance floor. He's the only guy anywhere within a hundred yards of that. Park. And they all <laughs> and all the other ladies laugh at him yeah. for being there. And I was like, good, good job. So, um, talk about prophetic. Guy had a he had a good idea. Yeah, show up show up at the uh, show all, up at lady clubs. Yeah, lady, lady show, shows. Show up at lady shows. Surrounding. So, <laughs> so we uh, so there we go. If you get nothing from this episode, take that. Boom. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he invites her to a party. He does, which is one of the. F- funniest scenes in the movie i think and it's a to- it's right out of the 80s this is like straight revenge of the nerds i think he took it it's like the pretty in pink party yeah it's the say anything party the say yeah it's yeah all those that's so true yeah and uh these guys these these dorky uh yuppies we don't feel bad for them because they're just money grubbing uh proto capitalists um and they uh they they're they what our friends cameron and um michael. and his buddy michael they throw flyers out yep in the hallways of the school, which is just an act of terrorism. I 100% went to a party like this. Yeah. Where we, like, it was like a, like a you know, dorky kids party. And then uh, they tried to, like, hold the door, but there were swarms of kids from, like, you know, D.C. was kind of like a smaller place. It was like Bethesda, D.C. Like, just kids from all, all these high schools find out about these house, like, these house parties. Yeah. And, like, Potomac with these massive houses, and everyone just converges. Okay, so... Uh, I went to a party like this yep. in uh, Northwest D.C., and it was run by uh, a bunch of St. Albans kids. It was at a St. Albans kid's house. Was it the Mexican ambassador's kid's I'm not going to, I can't, you know, I can't name names, but what I can say is that we showed up at this party, and our minds are altered, but we are not drinking, so we don't have any alcohol on our <laughs> breath at all. And uh, we walk in, and it's a very, like, there's a ton of dudes with varsity jackets on, and it's in the backyard, and there's two entrances to the backyard on either side of the house, but not through the house. Was it in Foxhall? Uh, possibly. And there was a and there was a big iron fence. So once you were back there, you were stuck back there. I went to this and party. The cops showed up out front, and every kid that tried to go out was immediately arrested. And so, but there's like 200 of us in this backyard, and we can't climb over the fence to get out or anything. And kids are losing their mind. Drunk kids are like, my dad is going to find out. This is going to ruin my chances to go to school. He's like, college, senator. it's over. Yeah. And uh, then the a couple cops come in, one of the entrances, uh, one of the side doors. And the first thing they, they see is a table. And at the under the table are empty beers. And they just arrest the five kids sitting at that table. And one of those uh, kids happened to be a vice president's daughter. Not going to tell you which one, but uh, that happened, and it was awesome. And then a lawyer lived next door, and he came into the, the cordoned-off area where all of us were, like, at, like, refugees, basically, in this, like, 
are we going to get arrested or not zone. Yeah. And he goes, guys, I just want you to know that, like, you need to know your rights, and I'll be here as your legal counsel. And uh, uh, then the cop said, anybody can come out if you get breathalyzed. And me and all my friends, we were, like, we were so excited because, like, we hadn't had a single thing to drink. So we just, like, high-five and, like, walk out with, like, crazy dilated pupils, uh, breathe into the breathalyzers, and then drive off scot-free. But, uh, you know, I guess the point of that story is that a vice president's daughter got arrested for drinking, and I didn't. Uh, so. Vice president's son smoked weed at my house a bunch of times. Good friends with my little brother. Hell yeah. Some DC shit. I know that dude. I uh, went rollerblading with him once, and I was wearing a Red Hot Chili Peppers t-shirt, and I was at his house before they moved into the Naval Observatory. Oh, yeah. And his mom would not let me use their bathroom or drink water from the house because I was wearing a t-shirt of a band that uh, she didn't approve of. Yep. Ha! Ah. <laughs> That was the exact, uh, I know. Yep. All right. So, garbage. Garbage people. Was it the blood sugar sex magic? And uh, that's why I'm never going to vote for that party again. Progressive liberals. Because these progressive neoliberals are garbage. Pushing that bullshit agenda. Green right. party. Green party. Yep. Don't get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag, don't get vaccinated. Uh, all right. So... We got away from the party thing, but there were cops at this party as well. Nice. <laughs> to try to this no, this party was dope. So uh, tell me more about it. Oh, oh, yeah. There's the drunk girl, right? And um, Heath Ledger sees the drunk girl. She tries to grab him. She wants to make out with anybody. Yeah. And he he grabs her and puts her in another dude's arms. Yeah. Which I think is a categorically gray area rape <laughs> or grape. Uh, it's, it's to, to say the least problematic today. Did she have agency? What, what you know, um, how intoxicated was she? Intoxicated enough to not care who she was making out with. Yeah. Pro a problem. Uh, also, those two kids were making out for the better part of four hours, just kissing? Yeah. That's some high school shit right you there. You get really dehydrated yeah. during that. And it's also just super anticlimactic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everyone, um, everyone ends frustrated. So this party is also an insight into, like, the cliques all coming together to bond and party and drink and... You know, Julia Stiles, is, you get like a good glimpse into her character because she, who sort of is very anti-establishment when it comes to the high school hierarchy and the way things operate in high school, why things are done to be cool, and she just rallies against that. Mm -hmm. And she just makes, a, you know, she has a line where like, she's like, I'm here to get drunk and act stupid. Isn't that what people do at parties? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, she, she ends up... Uh, Most awkward dance scene ever on film, mm -hmm. and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Her dancing on a table to Biggie Smalls. That's the most awkward dancing. I on think film? it's a pretty awkward dancing. I mean, we can. <laughs> if anybody uh, wants to wants to tweet at us, yeah, at Gabe underscore Pacheco, right? Uh, you can uh, you can send me other awkward dance yeah. scenes in movies. Or I'd uh, love to see the clips. Or email me at Sammy at Errols dot com. Because <laughs> I I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> um, yeah. So the party, great. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like a typical high school party. The cops show up at the end. Anyway, you see her character sort of, I want to say, devolve or open up, actually. It's like sort of, she just becomes like a party girl, and everyone's having fun. And then there was that oh, weird... Oh, snap, she falls down, and she gets the concussion. She knocks her head, yeah. Yeah, she gets a concussion, and he, he keeps telling her not to fall asleep. Yep. Now, what one thing I've learned is that's old science. Like, yeah. you can fall asleep now if you get a concussion. You're just not supposed to uh, strain your brain. 
So, so it's long, not, not thinking. Yeah, as long as you don't play like I Lumosity on your phone now. It's a, a great place to never strain your brain. It's at a high school keg party. <laughs> right. Yeah, just like don't, if you ever get like knocked in the head, like don't pull out your du- like Duolingo app. You know what's right. crazy about that is I've, I've definitely, I, I had a, a, a mutual friend actually of ours, all of ours, uh, we were hanging out one day and he hit his head or like he backed up into a nail which kind of went into his head, which was crazy, on the yeah. light post. Oh, snap. Uh, and so we spent, like, blood spurted out of the back of it, and I we spent the whole time, like, he was being very dizzy to try to, like, keep him awake, and he kept lying down in people's yards walking around Friendship Heights. <laughs> so yeah. I've been there before with the uh, whole uh, try not to let people with uh, brain injuries Dude, <laughs> fall asleep. This sounds like it happened when you were a teenager, and you guys were not qualified to handle... I was not qualified to handle my own penis, let alone, like, someone's, like, you know, possibly traumatic... Yeah. Fucking, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Anyway. So fun. I get it. And then, uh, so when this she... is where we first see uh, Heath Ledger's ooey gooey center, mm-hmm. filled with tender nougat. Yeah, he's so sweet. He's just he cares, man. And uh, she she would love to make out with him at the end of the night after <clears throat> they go for a drive. Um, but you he, know, he it, pulls back. He has defense. She's drunk, and she has a fucking concussion. He's a that's a super responsible man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, Gabrielle Union yeah. is uh, Bianca's best oh, friend. She, she's kind of the, uh, plays a, just a good bitch. Yeah. Kills it. Slithery. Yeah, very slithery. Yeah. Opportunist. Stabs Bianca in the back. Right in the back. And for, twists that motherfucker. Yeah, for Joey. Because Bianca, during this party, realizes that Joey is a total idiot. Twisted it like a 360 Dwayne, Ray, Dwayne Wade crossover. Uh-huh. She's like, hell yeah, I want that. Your leftovers? <laughs> just grabs them up. Takes it. Uh, the high school definition of sloppy seconds is making out with somebody that your friend made out with. Once. Once. Kissed in the mouth. Last year. Yep. A year ago. Uh, yep, so that's another, she, you know, she, uh, she had a, a career after this movie. You know, uh, but, um, it, this, this is, uh, something that I, that kind of bothered me, was, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt drives Bianca home, and he then starts whining. Like a little bitch. And, like, complaining to her about how she doesn't really like him, and she's not honest, and she's a bad person. At which point, to shut him up, she <laughs> leans in and kisses him. And I was like, this is the worst lesson. She was like, shut up, you pussy. Right. <laughs> and snatches him up. Snatches up the whining dude. So what type of lesson is that? Uh, I know the one lesson that to never learn is that girls, women... Don't love whiny, bitchy dudes. Right. So That's this, never going to work. Uh, so Shakespeare, you don't understand uh, universal human truth by letting this whiny guy get get the kiss. I also feel like Shakespeare was saying that up. I think Shakespeare knew what he was doing. Yeah, you think this was a satire? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so then, then what happens? We've got archery. Archery's kind of fun um, as a scene. Or odd. Can you believe it that, again, at this school... Just another affluent thing that they all yeah. can do is is uh, shoot arrows. Yeah, I mean, who, yeah, who does that? I mean, like they all, yeah, yeah. I was surprised there wasn't like a separate area for falconry. <laughs> hot, hot air balloon <laughs> aviation, or you know, Pilates. Thirty years ahead, thirty years behind, and uh, and then our our man our man Heath, he's uh, got to make it up. Oh, are her. we talking about the number? Oh, the musical this, number. This is the number. Yeah. Our man Heath has to make it up. Showing to, his, uh, flexing his range. Yeah. As an actor. This actually, it blew me away. 
that he could do this. Did it really? It I blew you away. I don't want... I did, look, I'm not a dude who wants to see a song and dance number in a movie, mm-hmm. ever. What about Hamilton, Gabe? No, well, I'm not... Just I, kidding. Yeah. Ugh. I don't even like... Nursery school rap. Remember Ferris Bueller's <laughs> Day Off? Yeah. When he's on the, in the float? Oh, but I thought that was fun. People, I mean, that movie's awesome. You shit. know what? That movie's great. Uh, but that's as good as it gets for that, and that movie would have been great without that scene. Yeah, I could, I would watch an edited version without of that Ferris, Ferris Bueller's Day Off without the parade. I think I'll say one thing. I think you can say that having seen that movie. Yeah, in its entirety, at one point in your life. Yeah, you never need to see that scene again. Right. Absolutely. But that scene killed you. Like people loved it. My mom loved that scene. Like my, you know, like people. Yeah, it's part of the movie. No, it's it, it, it's, it's a huge a, part. It's a Hollywood uh, trope. Pe- people people love the huge uh, song and dance numbers. They do when it's appropriate. Yeah, they want to see the hard hats in the background uh, uh, dancing along to and the protagonist's, uh, you know, vibing with what he's doing. And you know what people love too? You want to see a jolly fat person with a Walkman headphones on just shimmying to the song. I mean, and it was also you know they picked a very popular song, and people love old old nostalgic songs like that re- yeah. reintroduced into like pop culture so Just I think some... that that was John Hughes like no he knew what he knew that guy knew yeah. exactly what he was doing smart so here's what I liked about this serenade though uh, first we'll talk about what I like and that's that Heath Ledger I could see him as the Joker this was like the beginning of that he's he being, was actually singing yeah he's being chased by cops going back and forth he's an agent of chaos security guards <laughs> fat fat security guards the god squad yeah they're like they're, they're out of breath yeah, they don't know how to catch him. They're just like bumbling Keystone cops. He goose one of them. Yeah, oh he did. Yeah. He did goose him. He gooses one of them. He's high stepping. He's high stepping. Yeah, he's just he's out there, man. Yeah, he's, he's like the Warner Brothers frog. Except yeah. not racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm like, okay, I can see, I can see this guy is uh, he's a real badass. Right. Um. So that's what I liked about it. How would you feel though if a lunatic dude just decided? to uh, start uh, singing a song to you. But see, here's the <laughs> and thing. And you were in a crowd. She saw the inner lava cake of that dude's soul. Yeah. She saw. She knew. Yeah. She knew he was she soft. She saw that sweet, sweet, rice, She knew rice, he was rice, like rice, soft as wet dreads. She knew it was real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I mean, honestly, women, people, honestly respect it when you go out on a limb. They like you. Out so, of your CZ. So there's some, some people that really enjoy the public uh, displays of embarrassment. Right. Right. Well, not even public display, but just like, you know, lack of complete selflessness and, and you're not afraid to hum- yeah. Yeah. humiliate yourself or just go out of your, you know, people appreciate it. effort. Yeah. Anyway, I think, uh, honestly, that's one of the best scenes in the movie. I think it was, just, uh, it, it, it showed the shift in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we sort of delve into like a really important part where you sort of see Julia Stiles in her gooey center. Whoa. When she lets her, you know, the little she, twist here. Uh, what is this? Is this the twist? No. That was uh, another selfless act is flashing your titties to Joe Isuzu. <laughs> she, they, bo- they, both, uh, they both embarrassed themselves in public. To get out. Yeah, that's actually symbiotic. Yeah. Both helped each other out. Yeah, so first he... His was more self-serving. Hers was getting him out of detention. Yeah, but, but all of the bad kids. Well, I'm going to call them bad kids because they're in detention. Sure. Um, and there. only bad kids go to detention. You got it. So those, so they all got to see her breasts as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, they're, they're both public displays. Okay. Um, um which that, I liked. Right. And then they, and then they got to go paintballing together. Which was adorable. And the lamest thing. The, here's something I hate in movies as well. There's a song and dance I hate, but food fights. 
like yes. the fake fun of uh, of having someone close to you that trusts you, and then you like smash food in their face or like get them dirty for no reason. The only time I should have ever have been allowed was Animal House. The other sort of thing that I hate, I, I I agree with that. I think it's silly. Like in Hook, when I saw that in Hook, I just wanted to kill myself. I also don't like the uh, old white people singing to uh, rap songs and dancing, like oh. in every Chris Rock movie that came out. In the past twenty years, I totally get it. That like, bugs me. When you have an old white man uh, singing a DMX, like song. a DMX, just garbage oh. to me. It makes me it makes my yeah, it's awful. Um, good to know. So pet peeves. I had something here. What were we just talking about two seconds ago before the food DMX? fights and their paintballing? Paintball. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was like a, that was a, that was an adorable scene. You liked watching the montage. I've gone paintballing with Kevin. Uh, we didn't make out. Well, I, I think paintballing should be uh, really competitive. Like you, you want a headshot. You're trying to, you're trying to see the pink mist. You know, <laughs> you want to see the pink mist, literally. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. I know, think you, that's a great name for <laughs> you, a feminine rock band. Pink mist. Yeah, yeah. It's from Jarhead. It's like. A, oh no, I know what it yeah. is. But yeah, <clears throat> but like the when they're paintballing, they're like a, a foot away from one another, mm-hmm. like just. Playing hot potato with right. these uh, balloons full of colors—that's not—that's not fun. No, it's Diwali. Yeah, it's Diwali. It's uh—it's like the Indian um, oh, color the festival, festival of right. Yeah. So I uh, to get back to the, the movie itself after that scene, which was adorable. Um, they become they they sort of bond, and then they have these little issues with each other because she finds out that he may have done this for money or what his motives are. There's two sort of departures there. You mean it's a huge trust issue, and which is similar to Cruel Intentions again, like um, Ryan Felipe's character in Cruel Intentions. That I finally got it. Yes. Holy cow! Just a week late. Uh, he. I know. I wish I knew how to pronounce his name last week. Uh, <laughs> but he he basically falls in love with Reese Witherspoon. Um, after making a wager that he can just sleep with her. Yeah. And in the same way, uh, Heath Ledger is only getting with Julia Stiles for money. Was. Yeah. Was. Initially. And then he fell in love with her, too. So uh, maybe, maybe this is a cliche that we're going to see over and over again in rom-coms or uh, these sort of, like, uh, comedy of errors mm-hmm. is people making wagers and then halfway through realizing that they really, they're really into the other person. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole basis for a lot of them. Yeah. I want to see a movie about, like, an assassin who uh, is supposed to kill somebody, but then halfway through the mission, they're like, no, I really love this person. Like Gross Point Blank? Hey, did they make that already? They kind of did. Okay. He fell in love with uh, the daughter who was his high school sweetheart of the guy that he was sent to assassinate. Interesting. So good. Well, shit. That's a great movie that we could have gotten into, but now. Well, we will. We just blew it. <laughs> um... Yeah. So, things fall apart. Third act. This is where you find out about Julia Stiles. Yeah. She's having an interaction with her sister, who's literally, every time it's on film, I get, it's, she's the worst. Mm-hmm. Can't listen to her talk, her face, just everything about her. Bothersome. Mm-hmm. Not erotic. No. Not, not, a, not, even, not sensual. No, just good like, feelings uh, towards her. On a human level. Right. Unappealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells her, she finds out that she was, you know, the popular girl, which I think she knew that she was popular, she just didn't understand why. Ah, uh, so dated, Styles was popular. She dated the object of, of the sister's, Bianca's affection, which is that pretty Joey. boy guy that looked like Chachi, which I yeah. thought was a really funny line. Scott Baio uh-huh. reference uh, to people who, some people are never going to get that. He's that jerk-off that was Charles in charge that voted for Trump. <laughs> uh, so she kind of delves in, she's like, we had sex too early, and... 
and he didn't want to. She didn't want to have sex with him anymore, and he treated her like shit. And he got mad. Yeah. So she abandoned the whole wanted to be cool, you know, like popular persona that she had, and was going grassroots. Right back, back to the thought provoking uh, intellectual material, surrounding herself with things that mattered in, 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 in on a global scope. Right. Instead of worrying about bullshit. She had the, the existential moment. Yeah. The, the sort of like what Nas would say, what's this all about? Is it all about uh, bankrolls, uh, clothes, and hoes? Mm-hmm. Or what? What? You know? What then? And uh, there she is. It's true. So she's, she's, she, not, she's Nas on the Illmatic journey right now. That is, yes. Just frowning and that playing soccer. <laughs> she's, uh, <laughs> she's actually weirdly, I mean, you know, that made her, because she's, Supposed to play bitchy and annoying, and it's just like I never buy like the tough, you know, white girl persona. But like she is, she turns to be turns out to be a, a, like an actually like a smart, interesting character. Yeah. So and we haven't seen a lot of those in these in, in these movies, uh, the female roles especially. So she, uh, yeah. So to you know to sum it all up, I'd say like she is honestly my favorite of the protagonists that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, having covered the deepest, the depth of character. Yeah, depth of character. After say anything, and after um, cruel intentions, she's she's uh, the only Julia one. Julia Stiles is my favorite uh, character. Katrina, close second. Uh, Reese Witherspoon is my favorite actress. Though, no, still the uh, singing singing girl from Say Anything. Ooh, the, now so honestly, it's as though the singing girl from Say Anything. It would be the protagonist in this movie. They're 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 more similar as characters. I would say the singing girl is more like the chick that liked Shakespeare that dated Crumholtz. Okay, but, you know, yeah, very uh, short lived, weird story, weird weird subplot. <laughs> hey, so to wrap things up, yes, on the show, um, what uh, final takeaways on uh, ten things I hate about you? I can start this if you want, or... It's up to you. Great. So, uh, you know, I uh, loved seeing uh, Heath Ledger early in his career and having really uh, come to know him from The Dark Knight, which I've seen countless times. It's nice to see the seeds of where the Joker came from, and now I'm looking at all of his old work with uh, with new eyes and an appreciation. Yeah. Um, uh, as a capsule for what uh, pop culture looked like in the late 90s, I think this is a pretty good one. Um, Julia Stiles... Again, I don't know a ton of her other work, but I liked the character in this. Uh, uh, I don't like uh, Shakespeare without the language. Um, And I felt like this movie was tonally a little weird. Like, sometimes it tried to be a drama. Sometimes it tried to be a romance. And then every once in a while, there was this slapstick comedy that didn't really fit. Like the archery scene, or like when when, uh, Cameron, when his best friend... Uh, rode his motorcycle off the cliff, and I thought that he would die. But My like, balls. Yeah. Ended up just, like, making a joke about his balls. So, um, I don't know. I can see why uh, people like it. I think it's great for, like, 12-year-old, 12-year-olds. I thought that line was delivered well, by the way. It made me laugh. Yeah? Sure. Yeah, so, uh, on, on the scale of, uh, watchability one time, it gets, it gets an eight. Uh, rewatching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it gets an eight things I love about you out of ten, um, and I don't know rewatchability though. I think I'm probably not going to revisit this movie. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Being a you know male in his late thirties, I don't think you need to watch ten things I hate about you more than once ever. <laughs> We're in our late twenties. 
Um, I'd say, so yeah, you might want to uh, repeat that but and say, being, uh, being a grown-ass man. Yeah, being a grown-ass man, Gabe, don't watch uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. More. Stretching the old legs there, sorry. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. 8 out of 10 is actually more generous than I thought you were going to be with it. Uh, mm -hmm. I like this movie for, I don't think it took itself too seriously at all. Like, I think it used Shakespeare as, like, a, a line, you know, uh, as, like, as, as, like, a top, as, as, as the subject. Yeah. But I think it didn't take itself too seriously at all. It was kind of, like, a good-natured, uh, romp. It was just, like, entertainingly enough, uh, paced. Right. Um. Oh, uh, I wanted to add, I just wanted to say, like, I didn't think it took itself too seriously. I didn't think it took itself seriously enough in some places. It didn't go deep enough in any one area. It didn't. Yeah, I don't think. I, but I honestly think with this one, and I don't think none of the movies we've we've done have really been deep at all. Say anything tried to be cruel intentions was just a silly, like film with that got away. Like it used sex as like a, as a way to make himself seem more. Yeah. Uh, Maybe just because I like black humor more, I, I like I liked how dark cruel intentions was. Sure. But uh, yeah, mean spirited. I like how mean spirited it was. This ten things I, I hate about mean -spirited you the is most... not mean spirited yeah. at all. No, not even a little bit. And that's what I liked about it. I think it's like, you know, this is a taming of the shrew. It's like it's like it's an interesting story. It's a good story. It's like a, you know, but in this case, the shrew was a, a, like a good character, a redeemable character, and the whole thing, like a likable. Yeah. Initially, extremely unlikable. But like, what I liked about this is that the, just like the the actual taming of the shrew, the sister is the most, the, the one that's the object of everyone's desire. At the beginning is actually genuinely really unlikable mm -hmm, at the mm -hmm. end of the day even during and she's unlikable the whole way through the film the shrew could be my boo the shrew there you go you should start an instagram account <laughs> with that yeah uh i thought it was just you know entertaining i've seen it a few times when i was younger and you know i think as far as romantic comedies go it should never take itself too seriously i'm always a fan of like misplaced slapstick because it's funnier that way yeah and uh the cast was solid enough I mean, it was good you know I I like this one more than the other two, just because I don't. The other one's taking yourself seriously to an extent. When I you shouldn't you. is silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the, it's the lack of emotional investment that yeah. the characters have, the lack of emotional stakes. Yeah. That you like in this film. Absolutely, it's Got silly it. and lighthearted and fun. <laughs> Who the fuck makes out at a goddamn paintball game, Gabe? Nobody, dude. Nobody fucking does. And that. then they it's hang out joke. afterwards with paintball smeared still on their face. Because that's fucking yeah. yeah. They didn't even take a shower. No. They're no, like anime characters. They just look like they've been painting houses like very hardworking yeah. uh, Central American slash And like a gay neighborhood in Miami. <laughs> that color palette. Um, I, yeah, I don't think... Um, I, I like this one. I liked it just for its entertainment value. That's what this was supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be hard-hitting. It was supposed to be a retelling for, you know, high school kids or like young kids. And it was exactly that. Like, it was fun. The soundtrack was horrendous. But... You know, that's true. What the fuck could you expect from this? Letters from Cleo. Music in the late '90s in general was awful, dude. Fucking terrible. The worst generation in music history, I would easily say. If bands like Limp Bizkit and Corn and fucking Sugar Ray have like multi, like platinum-selling albums, that is, that's the worst. That's the worst we have to offer in general. Yeah. And you know, like you don't want Jacksonville, Florida, dictating pop culture. Take it from Sammy. Garbage. Anyway, so yeah. I actually think this. I mean, I don't. I don't know about a rating scale, but I, I liked it a fucking hell of a lot more than Cruel Intentions, which I gave like a, I give like a three. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, see, I'm Cruel Intentions all day. Yeah, and that's. This, and this I don't need to see again. Yeah, I would never watch Cruel Intentions so. again. I wouldn't watch either of them again. You know, or what? I wouldn't watch say anything again either. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're not movies that are geared to me in any way, shape, or form, other than the fact that this one I, I like laughing more than, and this one actually made me laugh, whereas the other ones were pretentious, cool intentions. Say so anything was fine. Yeah. Shallow as fuck. You know? Yeah. But that's, that was that. Well, there we are. I guess that's a, a fair way to wrap it up. Uh, join us next week for another film on Eat, Pray, Judge. Feeling all alone with that friend, you know you feel like dying. Oh, did my dinner.